Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. One thing I want you guys, I hope you walk away with today is an understanding that God is not accidental about the people that he puts in your life. Um, We have this beautiful thing in in life called choice and free will, right? And uh, which means that we're not just robots, that God is kind of moving through us and we have no choice and will, just however things happen, that's just God making things happen. And yeah, God makes stuff happen, but in your life, we have choices. We, we, we choose to come to church today. You chose to come to church today, most of you. Uh, and for the rest of you, you have great friends and family. You know, you, you choose to go to work or you choose to call in sick unless somebody shared their germs with you. You, you choose what you're going to eat. You choose how you're going to drive. I mean, there's, there's things in life. You choose who you're going to spend time with, who you're going to build relationships with, even if it feels like the process of how certain relationships came to pass, you're like, I don't remember choosing this, but this just kind of seems to be who I'm doing life with, who I'm hanging out with, who I'm friends with, who, who I'm working with, who I'm going to church with. I don't even necessarily know the person that is sitting three and a half inches away from me right now, but for some reason I'm here and they're here. And I just want you to know that God doesn't make mistakes when he brings people in your life that he's trying to use to point you and lead you in a specific direction. And I wanna, uh, one relationship that, that I had that when it started, I had no idea the future impact that it would have on my life. And, uh, and, it, and it's one of our, one of our overseers uh, here at Combo Church. They're pastors that, that, uh, that have you know, relational input uh, into me and Kara as lead pastors, and you hear more about that and engage. But when I was, I think I was 14 or 15 years old when I went to a youth camp. And it was, I think it was 15 because it was the second youth camp I ever went to as a kid with, with, our, with our church youth group. And uh, this couple came to minister at our youth camp, uh, Pastor Doug and Donna Lassett. And at the time, they were youth pastors in a church in Portland, Oregon. And, and I didn't know them at the time, but the impact that they had on my life even that week changed my life. And I had no idea that the many years down the road that, that my relationship with him would be something that would have such an impact, not just on my own spiritual walk with the Lord, but even a, a friendship that would develop and a mentorship to where he would become someone who would, he and his wife both become integral in being the pastors and carers of my life. Crazy enough, that very same summer, because I grew up in Virginia, my wife grew up in the Northwest, we didn't know each other that God was working something. The very first, that same year that Pastor Doug and Donna came and did my youth camp, pretty soon after that, they went to the West Coast and did her youth camp the exact same summer. And that's just, a, that's just for fun. That's just a little detail that you're like, really? That's just crazy, man. And the years later, God would bring us together, but God would also instill this relationship in us with people that ministered to us when we were 15 years old that now is creating residual impact in, in your lives. There are things that God, there are relationships God's trying to create and is creating in your life that is so much bigger than your life. There are people that God wants to connect you with that months, years, and whatever down the road are going to create an impact that changes other people's lives that right now you don't even have an idea. 
And so I want us to understand the context of community. We've been doing this series called New Normal. And I'm telling you, when people, if you've never been in, in church before, if you're new today or even, even just your, your, your journey with being a part of Convo Church is kind of the first time you've ever ventured into something like this, this type of community is a new normal. It's not the same as what people encounter everywhere else around the world. There's something different in this environment that is connecting you and I. I say this all the time when I look around and I look at the diversity of our church in many different ways, which is something that Kara and I believe in, we're intentional about. We want that to be the representation of who we are as a church. But in all reality, when you think about it, so many of us have no business being in the same room together if we weren't here. Like there, there's just nothing else in our normal life that would, that would bring us together and cross our paths and create an opportunity where we can actually become building blocks in each other's lives. That's one of the m most incredible things that I love about the local church is that it brings people together on a, under a unified banner and it doesn't do away with our differences, it actually just illuminates them and brings them together and gives them purpose. Because the church was never supposed to be something where we lose our uniqueness. The church is supposed to be something where our, un where our uniqueness is brought together and given a supernatural purpose. And that's something that we're constantly working on and we should be. Can somebody say amen to that? So right now I'm just trying to get you to wake up and talk because y'all are being kind of quiet. And maybe you're just, you know, contemplating because worship was incredible. Can I shout out to our worship team? They did such a fantastic job. Love them. And, uh, and just shout out to our dream team in general. Last Sunday evening, we had our first dream team night of 2020. And our dream team is just our, our team of volunteers that makes everything happen. And, uh, and so we had an amazing time. Can, if you were there, can I get an amen? I mean, it was, I thought it was, it was fantastic. And, and the dream team is for everybody. So hop and engage afterwards, shameless plug. That's how we get people connected. Uh, but can, let me read a scripture to you. I want to read, um, go to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, verse 42, and, uh, and, and, I, and I feel like every time I talk about community in small groups, this is a verse that pops up, but I think it's a very important verse because this is where the church actually started. The church that we're now a part of was started in the first and the second chapter of Acts. We are a continuation of the work that Jesus Christ started, and the early disciples and believers that were following Christ were sent out to spread the message of Christ, and to build a community of faith that would bring all kinds of people together under the banner of Jesus Christ. And so it's, and that's why the book of Acts is so important. It's not just, you know, it's got some cool stories and it's history. No, it's actually giving us a blueprint and a roadmap of what it means to be the church, what we should be focused on, what the, the, the challenges that we should be uh, going through and enduring together because of what God's trying to accomplish through us. So, so what we see happening in Acts chapter 2, uh, which is, you know, just, just on the, the very inside of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you got the Gospels and the life and the ministry of Jesus on earth. And then you have the book of Acts, which is when Christ actually ascended back to heaven and empowered us and sent his Holy Spirit to baptize us so that we could be empowered to do the work that God has called us to do. And so, uh, so that happens. The Holy Spirit gets poured out and crazy things are happening. They're drawing a crowd. They're wondering what in the world is going on. Peter gets up, one of the, one of the apostles, gets up and begin, and he, speak, he preaches the very first message that was ever preached in the church. And 3,000 people got saved and added to the church that day. That's a good day. That's a good day. 
That's a good day. They, were, they, they also got baptized, so hopefully it wasn't just him because that's, that's a workout. That's a workout anyway. I've been doing some back stuff. I'm sore anyway. And so it got to the very end. Okay, what happens next? We, 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 we've seen the Holy Spirit move. We've, we've heard the message about Christ. We've, we've accepted him as our Savior. We've been baptized. What do we do now? And it says in verse 42, it says, And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing in meals. That's always a good thing, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. For community in Christ to be successful, there are things that we must devote ourselves to. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make, and this isn't a church thing, this, this isn't a Christian thing, this is just in life, is we, are, we do a very poor job as humanity in, in compartmentalizing the aspects of our life. And one of the things that we tend to do, and I kind of grew up being taught this, I think maybe accidentally, to take the word priorities. You know, everyone has priorities, right? You have things in your life that you prioritize, and so for me, I was always taught, you know, it's kind of like that one through 10 list, right? And, uh, and if you are, if, you know, if you're any type of Jesus follower, or whatever, you've got, you know, a faith system that you kind of believe or whatever, number one, we're like, well, number one's God, you know. All praise and glory to God. I want to thank him for giving me this Grammy for this godless song that I wrote about how to treat women poorly. But I want to give glory to God. Sorry. Whoa, that, got, that just got real really, really fast. Hey, just invite him to Combo Church. Okay. So God's number one, right? God's number one. Well, what's number two? It, it literally, our priority list immediately gets sketchy after number one. We're like, well, oh gosh. Um, if I'm married, probably my marriage should be up there. I uh, can't put it above God. I can't do that. Unless I forget my wife when she is one of the crew leaders. And... All right, number three. I got kids. Oh gosh, they should probably be a top five. Work, work pays for everything. Maybe that should be up there too. So we, we just kind of wrestle with these different things, you know, like they, they kind of fit in the order of priority. But when we read Ephesians chapter, chapter one, there's a, a particular verse in there that paints this picture of the priorities, not just of life, but the priorities of the kingdom of God and how it operates. And it says that of, of, of rulers and kingdoms and galaxies and everything else at the very center, not the top, but at the center of everything is Christ. And at the center of Christ is his church. So that, that, that just blows the whole one through 10 list out of the water because it's no longer about a list. It's about who's at the center and how is what is at the center impacting the concentric rings around my life. How is Jesus at the center of my life impacting my marriage? How is Jesus at the center of my life impacting my professional career? How is Jesus at the center of my life impacting my friendships? And if Jesus is at the center of my life, and if what is at the center of Jesus' life is the church, am I making the church the center of my life the same that it is the center of my Savior's? It changes everything. It blows everything out of the water. And, and, so, uh, and so I think when we look at community, we do not want our, our, you know, our, our church community. That's just a little pocket over here. And those are the people I deal with on Sundays and stuff. But during the rest of the week, I got, I got, regular, I got regular people that I hang out with and that I do community with. And, and I try not, you know, if you're Seinfeld, I don't want worlds to collide. I'm not trying to bring 
these two worlds. I don't want them to touch because that might make things blow up in my face. But we need to realize that God's trying to not get to the top of your list. He's trying to get to the center of your heart. And not only is he trying to get to the center of your heart, he's trying to bring community that is Christ-centered, kingdom-centered into the center of your heart as well. Um, I love this right here. I'm gonna, just a couple of these. I'm gonna throw some scriptures out here, and if you're taking notes, you should be, because this gives you something to think about and talk about throughout the week. But 1 Corinthians, uh, again, in the New Testament, there are two books, two letters that were written to the church in Corinth. This was one of the first ones. Chapter 15, verse 33, it tells us that if you've ever heard this phrase, this is actually in the Bible, that bad company corrupts good character. How does that happen? Well, it happens when you are surrounded in certain type of community that is feeding you or maybe the opposite is taking from you or detracting or sucking from you. And when I was growing up, I had um, a mentor figure in my life. Her name is Jeannie Mayo. She's kind of like the godmother of all youth ministry. She's awesome. Still cranking youth ministry in her like early 70s. I don't know how, but she just does it. But she would always say this when she talked about relationships and friendships and community. She would always say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so I remember the times in my life when I had good friends around me and when I heard, I was like, yeah, amen. And then the times when I didn't have such good friends around me, I'm like, well, she's probably talking about somebody else right now. So (laughs) show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Check this out. Just to kind of prove the the validity of that statement, Proverbs 13 Chapter 13, verse 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Can I get an amen from anybody who could have possibly gotten in trouble at some point in their life? It wasn't your fault. It was the people you were hanging out with. Not your fault at all. It never works that way. But listen, your community determines your trajectory. You know what that means? Let me take it a step further. Sometimes we think that it's the path that we're walking that will get us where we're going, the the trajectory to get us from point A to B. But the reality is, it's actually the community that surrounds you that you allow to have the greatest impact in your life that will point you in the direction that you are going. If you wanna follow everything that God has for you, then you better surround yourself with people who are pointed and going in the same direction. You know, we talk a lot in different moments, you know, that word repent comes up and, and I always have to like um, deprogram what most people think repent is because for me, I hear the word repent, so I think of like that dude who's on the street corner with the big sign, turn or burn, you know, all the clever things that rhyme that, that work so eloquently in getting people to the Lord. And, um, but repent is not a dirty word that's meant to like make people feel guilty. Repent is this beautiful word that means we're going in one direction, headed for destruction, and we kind of deserve it. I'm just throwing that out there. And God doesn't just kind of throw a stick in our path to trip and fall. He actually gets our attention with his love, with his grace. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Some of us in the church world need to remember that. It's not the argumentative nature of God that leads people to repentance. It's not judgmentalism that leads people to repentance. It's not throwing Bible verses down somebody's throat with the wrong heart that leads people to repentance. It's not, it's not argument, argumentative moments that convince people to repent. It's the kindness of God that through his love and his grace, he gets people's attention. And it says we turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And now we're able to follow Christ. That's, what, that's beautiful. 
That's, 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 there's no greater picture of the love and grace of our God than him not giving us what we do deserve in our moments of brokenness, but he leads us to green pastures, to fresh seasons of life and following him. But listen, he doesn't just want you to do it on your own. Even Jesus had people he walked with. Jesus, if Jesus needed a community, what makes us think that we can do it on our own? Or that we are strong enough that even in our faith with God, that our primary communities can be the type of environments that are not building us up in our faith, but that are causing us to struggle and be tempted and be challenged to be pulled out of what we know we should be doing, what makes us think that we are stronger than Jesus? He needed a community that supported him. He actually needed these guys, these, these, these uh, disciples, to pray with him in certain moments. We need it too. All right, I got a couple more scriptures for you. Y'all aren't as excited this week, but I'm just gonna tell myself that you are receiving deeply within your spirit the things that God is speaking to you this morning. Don't, don't lie, some of y'all got, got queso dip in the, in the crock pot right now. And you're trying to remember whether you turned it on or not. Or, oh no, I think I put it on high. It's gonna cook it, oh no. That's what some of y'all are thinking right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna try to be nice. God bless you. Check this out. Okay, here's, I'm gonna give you three quick scriptures here that hopefully you can take with you. Um, if nothing else, I just want you to know that you do deserve to be around people that are gonna help you. Somebody needs to know that. You're, you're like, well, you know, I've, from what I've done and the type of person, they probably, I'm probably just, you know, we kind of like Eeyore the whole situation. And that's just not the way. You deserve a community of people around you who are going to accept you, who are going to love you, who are, despite your garbage, who are gonna bring you in, who are going to encourage you, who are gonna pray with you, who are actually going to hold you accountable also with love. Account, you can't have love without accountability. You need to know that. You know, you can't have God. God holds us accountable. It, it's, it's an, an essential part of experiencing sincere love in a relationship is accountability. The moment where we think that accountability is judgment, we're missing the whole point. Accountability is not judgment. Accountability is someone who says, I love you enough to know that if you go in that direction, you're missing what God's trying to do. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna encourage you and I'm gonna hold you accountable to the path that I know God has called you to. We need that. I need that, you need that, and the person next to you needs that. Say amen to that. All right, so 2 Timothy 2.22. This is a, maybe an interesting passage in the context of what we're talking about today, but I think it has very valid, uh, a very valid placement. Now check this out. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his son in the faith, a disciple, Timothy, who was greatly used by God in the early church as a leader and even at a very young age. And he's telling Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. This isn't just for youth. But a lot of the things that sometimes as full-grown adults we struggle with are connected to the things that have been holding us back since we were youth. Amen? He said, instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Other translations use, uh, say it this way. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, where did that by? Instead, pursue righteous living, faith, love, and peace along with those so it's trying, you know, he's telling Timothy, listen, 
Timothy, you, there is a call of God on your life. There are things that God has created for you to do, and you've got to run away from the things that would want to destroy that. But you're not just running in fear. It's actually an, an intentional pursuit of what God's trying to do. And he says, don't do it on your own. Do it with people who are pursuing God in the same way. Check this out. I'm, a, I'm skipping uh, for my guys in the back. I'm skipping the next verse. I'm going to Amos. Amos 3.3. What a great Bible name. Amos. A book in the Bible called Amos. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just throwing that out there. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? We've said in the last few weeks a couple of times that for your new normal of what you believe that God is wanting to do in your life, not just in a new year, but in a new decade, 2020, perfect vision. You know, this is the year, you know, we get all excited and we should, but for some of us, we have to make decisions about those that we are running with. You're like, well, if I'm a Jesus follower, I'm supposed to love everybody? Everybody love everybody. You know, this, this isn't about love, this is about your walk. Like you can walk and follow Jesus and not go in the same direction as people around you who are going in a different direction and still love them. That doesn't mean you quit your job because you can't hang out with those dirty sinners at work anymore. Of which you're one of them. Anyway. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you just lock yourself in your house or your apartment and I can never go out again because I'll just be walking with people that, that, that don't know the Lord and they'll lead me astray. No, that's not what it's talking about. That's super weird. Don't be like that. We don't want, that's not, that's not even what this is. Like Convo Church doesn't exist because we're gathering all the righteous people together. This isn't the ark where we're just trying to, you know, save all the righteous people as all the unrighteous, you know, burn. That's not what we're doing. We exist because we all deserve the judgment of God. Instead, he gave us his love and his grace and has brought us together. So every single person in this room here, upstairs, greeting you out here, preaching right now, leading worship, helping you find seats, to anyone else who's in this room, you are here because God loves you so much that he has brought you to this place. So we're not trying to connect with perfect people. We're just trying to connect people together who are doing their best by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to follow after this beautiful Savior that we have. And we need it. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I need you. Some of y'all, that was weird because you don't know the person. Maybe someone today, you're like, Ann, can I buy you lunch? Or What's your team? Okay. That's how you build special relationships in church. Special. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? That works with our friendships. It also works in your relationship with God. You know, God's going somewhere. God's got a direction that he's trying to take the world. And it's towards the direction of love. It's towards the direction of redemption. The direction of bringing people into their created purpose. Restoring the identity that God has for people in a world where identity is broken. He has a direction. But if we're not following what God is doing, then how can we be going in the same direction as him? So it's, it's about our direction in following the Lord. It's about our direction and who we are partnering with in our friendships and our relationships yes. together. And I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to pray for you. No, don't say no, because then I'm, I got to like, I'm going to get back into it. And then all of a sudden we're like, your queso is gone if that, <laughs> if that happens. 
Your purpose, listen, your purpose is far too important to sacrifice by allowing yourself to be taken in a direction that is detrimental to why God created you. Don't ever think that being a part of church and doing church and don't ever think that you're just fulfilling some religious duty because you're not. It doesn't work that way. You're not doing God favors by being here. God's doing you a favor by creating an environment, an atmosphere where you can be with other people. That's why the faithfulness to this community is so important. We don't pass out punch cards so that you can earn points from being here every week and and eventually get a free coffee. Free coffee anyway. No, being here on a consistent basis is because you need it and because somebody needs you to be here for them. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.